I have a number of questions here. <coughs> you know, always we have people quiet. They don't like to to be uh, recognized or by raising questions or by they shy. We understand that. So outside they ask me questions. So all their concerns I keep them in my mind and I when I have a chance to to put them in writing I, I do. So this means just to tell you that I take every concern, every question seriously and I don't ignore even the if I were if I were some of you, you were you you would you know you would laugh you know at some questions, but I don't. I don't because I take everything seriously, because I may think I may have in mind that really that man you know that person is asking is raising this question for to to uh, to to increase his knowledge okay to to. Let me start with the short ones. Like a subdeacon, for example, the uniform of a subdeacon. We, we have seen recently <coughs> among clergy people with the cassock, with the cassock and with the jibbe all the time. And some, some pastors told me that uh, not only with the jibbe and cassock, but they appear outside with the uh, short and w shirt with, and with the collar. So they are not ordained. They cannot have any of the three. There is no uniform for them. Okay? Reader, a reader, a subdeacon, and cantor, and whatever. All these cannot have the jibbe or the cassock all the time. Just when the service is happening. Okay? Like I remember John, for example, I see him in the church with the jibbe. Now he is not ordained. And because he is not ordained, he cannot have the jibbe on him while we, he, he is with us. And he knows that, and we know that. Okay? When we ordain, and other subdeacons, Phil and uh, Barsoom and other, they cannot have their jibbe. Okay? So there is no uniform for a reader, a subdeacon, and a chanter. The uniform is just the shirt and the, the suit, okay? But while they are doing their ministry in the church, helping, so I understand there is a special robe for them, and they can use it. <coughs> Some of you told me, thank you, Sayyidina, for this seminar. Can we ask to have it, to have it every year? So I, I answer this in one word, yes, we'll have it every year. I will try my best 
to bring you all together until we are healed from our infirmities. Okay? <laughs> until, 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 until our Orthodox faith, until our Orthodox faith becomes a beacon for ourselves and for others. Okay? So this is the, in, the only intent, the only ministry I believe in, okay, to bring you together. Not for my own glory, because I get no glory from that, but to give every glory to God, okay, by doing this. Uh, another small question, but I, I am not going to answer it. I will maybe ask uh, Subdeacon Thomas Nassif to answer this question. You know, there is a, a layman here among us. He is very close to diaconate, okay? And he used to be the American ambassador to Morocco. Morocco or Morocco? Morocco, Morocco. And he is among us. He is very successful businessman, right? And he is a big help in his church in San Diego. And, he's, and he and his wife, you can't imagine the time they spend in the church, more than the bishop, more than any other clergy. All their life, you know, devoted to the church. And that's why, you know, after he experienced many, many positions, secular positions, many, many uh, secular jobs, he can answer that question. And the question is about those clergy doing both uh, church ministry and having secular jobs at the same time. So how can, you know, they have some, some harmony between, you know, this and that, okay? Am I wrong, the one who asked me this question, or? So I think ja uh, Subdeacon Thomas Nassif later will answer this question, okay? <laughs> There is a question here about Jesus' prayer. And talking to the one who asked me this question. And I felt that he has a good testimony to give us about Jesus' prayer. Okay? And I will spare him for later to tell us about his testimony. There is a question also about conciliar press. I need not to refer to, to this question to myself because I am ignorant. So I will uh, take the opportunity to ask Deacon Tom Maszel to come right now and tell us about conciliar press.
Um, I uh, am one of those ones that say I had to mention I'm better outside than inside, and I'm not a good talker. Uh, so let me collect myself. Um, we were able to regain uh, our position at Conciliar Press in September of this year, of last year, rather. Uh, I'm sure you know the uh, battle that we struggled with, um, <laughs> uh, court case. It was a year ago in about a week that we all uh, uh, endured our crucible in Ben Lomond and that immediately uh, impacted Conciliar Press. Within a few days, uh, I was without a job, and uh, my wife uh, and Shelley Houston, who was, uh, had been our, <clears throat> our marketing director. Um, I will say from the beginning that without the support of our beloved archdiocese, uh, we wouldn't be here, and Conciliar Press would not even have a chance to reemerge. Uh, we do, however, have an opportunity, and a very good one. Um, the Archdiocese has supported us from the beginning, encouraged us, called us. Uh, Father Peter Gilquist has been in constant communication with us. We were out of the office from February until September of this year. Uh, since then, we re-inherited the office, we re-inherited the company, we were given the rights to uh, reassume the publication of, again, magazine and the Handmaiden magazine through the blessing of His Eminence, Metropolitan Philip. Um, we have had a tremendous challenge. Uh, there were more bills than uh, we possibly could have handled. Uh, our, our electricity bill was uh, our phone service was about to be cut off. Our electricity was about to be cut off. Uh, we had many, many challenges. By the grace of God, we, uh, and by the help of the Archdiocese and our friends, Charles Agelot, who, uh, who has literally been a, a, a point of salvation for Conciliar, uh, we're again uh, ready to resume our ministry. Again, magazine uh, was sent out to the printer uh, yesterday, uh, the day that I came. Uh, we have several very good books on the line, and uh, we ask for your prayers and for your support because we believe that this is a, an important ministry. Say uh, Philip has, has uh, encouraged us and wants us to be here. He wants us to be back, and uh, I uh, pledge myself and all those that work for me, the faithful people who have come back, uh, very few, but a, a wonderful staff that's there now uh, to once again represent this wonderful archdiocese and to once again resume the uh, work of evangelism, orthodox evangelism through literature. Uh, so we ask for your prayers and for your support. But God willing, we will continue where we left off in February of 1997, 1998, sorry. So our thanks and gratitude to Deacon Thomas Zell, Carla, his wife, and Shelley Houston for the tremendous patience and sacrifice 
God bless you, Dick and Tom, and our love and our support and orders at the same time, okay? <laughs> it's not a question, but a, a, a just a, an appeal to all of you to share this seminar with the attached clergy at your parishes, those who could not, you know, be with us, and some of the topics you feel that they are good to be shared with your parishioners. Or in the, uh, in the, uh, in the newsletter, bulletin, or all the means, you know, you have, and during getting together with your people, with other, or, uh, uh, other organizations, with the ladies, and uh, you know, you share. You share what you have seen, what you have experienced, what you have learned, what you have given to, to, to us to learn, and uh, let us share, you know. Orthodoxy is not ours, okay? So orthodoxy is, you know, universal. The whole church is, is orthodox, okay? Not small groups, you know, or a small group. They claim that they are orthodox in some way, and they feel that just orthodoxy is, you know, them. Okay, and as if, you know, Jesus Christ has been incarnate, you know, just for them. No, it's wrong. Orthodoxy is very open and very universal. So please share with uh, beloved ones all these you feel that could be beneficial for them. <clears throat> and later we'll hear from Father uh, John Finley about the, the story of audio tapes. Audio tapes. We, I think after, after we done tomorrow, 10 tapes. 10 audio tapes will be ready to copy and start, I think, you know, uh, distributing them, okay? So from Father Finley, we'll hear later about the audio tapes. <coughs> uh, in this spirit of, 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 uh, of this uh, seminar, we will have other two occasions uh, are going to be very big. The Parish Life Conference in May. All the parishes, like last year in Santa Clara, Clara or Clara, uh, really was a big, big uh, uh, gathering. And this year, I hope, you know, where we are here now, will be hosted by St. Michael, uh, Van Nuys, the same area, and Father Michael, Beck, uh, Father Timothy Beckley, who is the organizer of this uh, of this uh, seminar. So he will be the hosting uh, parish and pastor. So I think uh, we we meet again. We meet again, and uh, let us work from now on that on that and prepare our our. 
clergy and our parishioners to be involved in and organizations to be involved in this parish life conference because uh, as, as I said this morning, and I keep repeating that, in getting together we heal, okay? We heal ourselves. And the other occasion would be not less important than the Parish Life Conference itself. Our Patriarch, our Holy Father, is coming to this country in July, okay? In July. And... Uh, <coughs> He will be here the first week of July, but it's not definite yet. So he will be here the first week of July, and he will be presiding over a meeting for all bishops from North and South America in the Antiochian village. This is the first activity he will, will, will have here. After that, we'll fly all of us from the Antiochian village to Chicago to the, uh, to the convention. He himself will be uh, presiding over the convention this year. So therefore, usually we have two, two, 2,000 people or more. But this year, you know, this year our anticipation would be more, okay? So all the regions, all the, the whole, the entire archdiocese is going to, to uh, mobilize, you know, the organizations and other, other institutions to, for that event because, you know, it's not, it does not happen every year, okay? So it happens, it happened, uh, the first time uh, was 1977, when our late patriarch visited, or 75, I think, right? 76. 76. 76, when our late patriarch, blessed memory, a holy man, uh, visited uh, this country and uh, presided over the convention in New England. It was, uh, wa 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 uh, I think, New England, or Boston, Washington, D.C. And 1988, our present patriarch, Ignatius, presided over that uh, convention in uh, New England, in Boston, okay? And since, 70, uh, since 85, did not visit this country, okay? So that's why he decided to, uh, when I was there and I met him, and he was so encouraged to come and bless us uh, by his presence and by his, he will be, all the time, the main speaker, okay? And this is, we, we have this, you know, and let us learn a lesson from this. One day I was next to him and uh, the Metropolitan of Beirut was on the other side and uh, in Cyprus, this, is, uh, this happened in Cyprus and he was talking and uh, teaching us and be because of his, you know, meekness and he said, say, you say a few words. So I said, I cannot, you know, talk with your presence because you are my teacher and you taught me, you know, a lot, everything, and I cannot talk. Imagine Metropolitan of Beirut said the same thing. He said exactly in the presence of the patriarch, no one talks. So this is what, you know, we grew up in this spirit, okay? So it is, it is humility, if you like. It is a humility. It is, 
respect, matter of courtesy, and other, other, you know, positive things. Don't you think so? So let us learn from this small, small incident. Small incident. And maybe it doesn't mean anything, you know, to most of people, but it does mean, you know, for us. It does mean. So all clergy and believers, of possible, you know, have to be involved in the Parish Life Conference in May and in July in Chicago, okay? And when we have more information to pass to you, of course, we'll, you will have it in writing. One of the uh, questions today or comment came to me that we say servants, servant, the servant of God. You remember, we say, bless O Lord Jesus Christ, the food and the drink of thy servants, and always the servant of God. One, a priest from here, from this gathering, suggested, and we are not, you know, against that, and we are aware of this, that there is no differentiation between servant and children, or child, servants and children, because they ha it has the same meaning. In this text, you know, and, uh, it has the same meaning. So if we, replace, if we replace servants by, let's say, children, we are not wrong, okay? But now we have it in our books, just to keep uniformity among us. So we have it servants, the servant of God, is baptized, for example. We can use the child of God, okay? But we have it in the book, so let us not change the book. Because we cannot, you know, change our books individually. So we belong to an archdiocese, and we have two times our bishops get together. So let everything be done, you know, in, 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 in the proper way, okay? <clears throat> Last night about about sermons, giving these sermons, uh, maybe uh, we said everything. But one one thing uh, last night, you know, I was thinking of it. If you like to really to have a very effective and to give a very uh, constructive to and to give. A very good sermon, spiritual, can last for long time, if not we say, you know, if we don't say forever. So let any sermon you give not to be personal, not to be about you, about myself. I don't, you know, when we say I, if you <coughs> noticed, and I learned this from our patriarch, he does not say I. So when we have to use I, we say we. And when we say we, you know, we mean all of us, okay? The whole community, the whole family, okay? So don't, don't give any sermon about yourself. Even if you are talking about yourself, just say, you know, an example happened with you, not about your person, okay? It is very important. Keep it spiritual as much as you can. And no one can resist spirituality. No one can resist God's message. Maybe the messenger is not good. But the message has to be good. 
because always the message coming to us from or the Bible or from the church life, church experience, or from God himself. Okay? Uh, the paraclesis last night was really very good, very good. Not only the chanting, but the way, the way has been done, you know, was excellent. Do you agree or not? Yes. Yes. Okay. So now two services are going to, 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 to start or to, 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 to have in our parishes if we did not have them, you know, before. The great compline. You know, I told you that in Damascus or in the Middle East every day. Here, if not possible to have it every day, I can help you, you know, in doing this. Let us start slowly. Okay? Easy. For example, Monday would be good. Okay? Monday. Then Wednesday, the presanctified. Then Friday, another presanctified. And Saturday, of course, we have some prayer because it is very important. And the church, you know, has prevented all the five days, you know, from doing liturgy except Saturday. Okay, so Saturday we have to consider it. Or performing a liturgy or at least a morning prayer and evening prayer. Okay, Vespers. So let us start with this, okay? If you have the possibility to have it every day, I won't say no. I won't say no, because every good thing, I am with it. Okay? Every good thing, and especially when we come, you know, to praise God. And I wish, I wish I could stay all day long in the church. Because I cannot, you know, have any peace like the peace, you know, I get from being in the church, the time I am being in the church. Uh, about the paraclesis. No, but I am going to talk about paraclesis. So paraclesis last uh, uh, night was great, as I said, and a new experience, and it gives us more understanding, you know, to love the, the Holy Virgin, and especially we are not Protestant anymore. So we have to, to accept it day after day. And some of you remember, I received letters about why, why do we use the Holy Virgin so very much in the church? So that's why my response is, my response is, first of all, because we are coming from a, a different background. And this is true. You don't deny it, I don't deny it, and no one can deny it. Okay? So, but we cannot, you know, as I told one of the fathers last night, God has not created the past only, but he has created the present and the future. Okay, so 
What happened in the past, God is responsible for it. For, for, for it. But now, just the moment I I I I I been received and I embraced orthodoxy, I am now responsible for to be sincere or not, to be loyal or not, to be obedient or not, to be praying people or not, a, a person or not. Okay, so I am now. It's my responsibility. So I am not rush and rush. Okay, so I, I, I uh, as you know that I accept, you know, whatever I, I see. I need to correct it, but I don't correct it, you know, by hitting a button. Okay, so we take time. And I did not resist. For four years, I did not resist anything, you know. You Just when we come, you know, into, into a heresy, for example, and faith, no compromise. Okay? When we come into the leadership, for example, of the church, no compromise. So we do everything, you know, we do with love. Unless some... <coughs> someone does or makes his decision. So, paraclesis, paraclesis, we need to, to, to be patient and growing in, in becoming familiar with, with, the, with this holy name, with this holy name, which is above and beyond and higher than the seraphim and the cherubim. So, nothing done by me. This is our church. And I like this uh, expression, one of you used it. When we accepted, when we decided to become Orthodox, we promised to, to accept the whole package, not a piece from here and a piece from there and a piece from the other place. The whole package. So that's why we are against this, you know, the small pieces of orthodoxy in our orthodox church, we are against. But becoming, you know, growing in orthodox, in the orthodox way, we are patient and we take our time and no rush. Okay? So, uh, let us practice then paraclesis in our churches, in, at homes, not only in the churches, but at homes too. At homes. This paraclysis could be done at any time. In the morning, in the afternoon, after midnight, in the uh, uh, one o'clock, or any time. At homes, at the offices, at the farms, if you like, wherever you like, okay, it's to be done. But it is good to practice it in our parishes too, okay? And when our people, you know, have, have a need, a need, you know, they have some problem in their life, this would be, you know, very, very good consolation, you know, to their souls and to their lives. So let us do it, let us encourage. Don't say, you know, I am sorry, for example, here, we, uh, we hear it for everything. I am sorry. I am sorry you're sick. You know. What are you doing for my sake? Just to be sorry? 
pray for him. God, you know, has elected us to be teachers and to be pastors and to be fathers. Practice this, not to be sorry. Okay? So just do it. Go. You, 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 you invade, you know, people's life. And you go to them. Don't, don't wait until they call you. Please, Father, come and uh, do a home blessing for me. You go. You call. This is the way of fatherhood. Of course, also, Akathist, every Friday during Lent, the five weeks of Lent, we, uh, every Friday evening, we have, we have Akathist. One day, you know, one of you here, present here, said once, and we don't, we don't, you know, respond every word we hear, because, you know, episcopacy, as I said, is a big, big amount of love, said, when I showed, you know, a, a, my, my, my power, if you like, but power of love, of, serve, of serving people, not power to kill people, okay? Uh, when I showed, the reaction came from him that this is one of the sicknesses of the episcopacy. It is very sad. It is very sad. So let me give you an example to understand what I am talking about. I called. Is Father John Finley this morning, this, in his sec section, session, said that the bishop is not a visiting person in the parish. And from the first moment, I did not ask anyone's permission to visit his parish, right? Just I made the schedule and I mailed it to all the churches. And never happened, you know, anything about someone said no. Because I know, I appreciate your, your joy, you know, when you, you have the bishop, you know, in, the, in, in your parishes. But here you will understand my power and my resistance. And I was maybe negative in my resistance. I called and I said, Next week, I'm coming to visit, and he said, sorry, Sayyidna, we cannot, you know, because we have something. And he did not tell me about what, what something. I said, what's that? What's going on? I thought maybe something wrong, or in the family, or in the parish. And when they have elections, I don't go. I decide not to go, because people, you know, they think that I am going to take side, and I don't like to be involved, you know, I have enough involvement. So he said, no. I said, what do you mean by no? What, what do you have? He said, uh, uh, we don't have enough people on that Sunday. I said, why? For what reason? He said, because of the baseball. <laughs> what do you expect me to tell him? Thank you, Father, for this. And keep the church closed and uh, go home and enjoy your baseball? I said, let's all people enjoy the baseball. 
and I and you and your wife will perform the divine liturgy. He could not say no. <laughs> so I visited on that Sunday. Believe me, the church was packed more than any other day. <laughs> this is our leadership. This is our discernment, fathers. Okay? The church is not stupid to, to, to consecrate someone a bishop. I am unworthy, you know, for this, and I confess. But the church is not wrong in any decision she makes. The church lasted for 2,000 years because always she has been right. She has been right. So please, from this incident, I am going to say that let us pray. The priest and his wife and his children, when they ask me to pray for them, just to, to, to respond, you know, with a joy or with, with sense of humor, because it is part of my, my, my nature, you know. I say, believe me, I will pray for you because the only job I have. <laughs> so please let this job be the only and the first priority in, in your life. At least the priest, his wife, and his family. Okay? Now, we open the church. If they join us, fine. If not, they will learn. When they see, when they see in us the good example, they will follow. They will emulate. This is the way we teach our people. Just you go first and they will follow. But when you, you, you tell them, one day in Las Vegas, one of them, you know, tell, play and pray. It's very, you know, unchristian. When the priest talks about baseball, this is unchristian. So when they, they see in me, you know, a person who is just, you know, a, a care about, you know, baseball and any other, you know, secular thing, so we'll say, goodbye to the church and to faith, to the faith and everything. But when I am first in the church, like our patriarch, you know, I was at age 12. He was first before anyone else. And until this moment, he is 79 or 78 now with his sickness. He is the first before the cantors. He says, you know, the Trisagion, holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal. He starts that. So let us then, Paraclesis, uh, Akathist. <coughs> Akathist and other services, okay? Other services, especially now in coming to, coming to, to the Holy Land, 
okay, to the great land. How much, you know, how much uh, many services, you know, we have during the Holy Land. Many. And how much, you know, emphasis on repentance. So let us take that, you know, a crucial lesson to our, in our life. So let us make a new pledge, you know, a new promise to our conscience and to God and to everyone in the parish that we are going to work on repentance seriously this time. And you will see that. You will not be, you know, confused or you, you will not be uh, questioning, you know, whether I am having a good theme for my sermon or not, or, you know, I can control my people or not, or I can love them or not, or I can lead them or not, you will see that God is working through you. Now, Jesus, pr uh, no, before Jesus prayer. How, how and when should we pray for the non-Orthodox, both living and departed in the services, Vespers and liturgy? So we were talking, and it happened that when I received that question, Father Michel was with me. And let us hear, because I got tired a little bit. Father Michel, can you? Just I uh, want to clarify that uh, when we mentioned about the diptychs that only the names of the Orthodox people are to be listed, and this was a historical uh, uh, documents, you know, show that only the people who are listed on the docu documents are to be considered members. This is one thing. The other thing is the entrance to the uh, to great, the great entrance, you know, that what we practice when we say the Orthodox servants of God and we mention the name that may have mercy, life, peace, health, salvation and so forth, these are not in the original texts, you know, these are just in the Archdiocese uh, books. Uh, I, I couldn't see any old uh, manuscript or any old book which include the names, but these are somehow became part of the, uh, you know, piety, the piety of the people, and they were introduced so they might hear their names outside and so forth. And uh, many people have, uh, you know, in other uh, countries, they don't use it anymore. You know, they don't mention the names outside. Uh, but, you know, we have to look at it from a pastoral point of view. And uh, that's why... Uh, the issue is a pastoral issue, whether we mention the, the non-Orthodox names outside in the great entrance or not. It depends. Each one in his own situation could evaluate this, you know, uh, because there are so family ties, family relationship, uh, customs, and so forth. Uh, and this is, you know, historically what's said, but pastorally you could decide on this, uh, uh, whether you mention the Orthodox or the non-Orthodox. This is my opinion. And uh, <clears throat> we had more discussion about that with the those who uh, raised this question. 
pastorally talking, uh, we are fathers, okay? And we understand that, as I said uh, yesterday, that if you are now Orthodox, but most, you know, big part of your families are not Orthodox. So we cannot, you know, uh, exclude, you know, them from from our love, from our... Uh, and uh, myself, you know, it happened that while uh, during, uh, in, uh, during my visit to one of the parishes, uh, uh, the, the, the pastor's mother was dying and she died at that moment uh, when I was there and uh, I went to the hospital before and after. Uh, I went to the hospital a few hours before her death and then I went to the, uh, to the funeral home and I did this, the, the trisagion without you know, my omophore, without my, my stall, without anything. Okay, so you can do the same. For example, this afternoon uh, at, at the lunch, I uh, had a d discussion that uh, <coughs> we used during uh, this uh, Saturday of, of, of the souls. Uh, we, we usually we have a liturgy and we commemorate all the names of the departed ones. So now, if we, for example, we don't do it this year, so we would have, you know, a problem. Yes, I am sure that we would have a problem. So we are not, you know, fathers to divide, you know, families and uh, to, uh, to be devi divisive. So we are fathers to, to discern, okay, to discern between, you know, what is good, what is no good, what is right, what is uh, not right. So that's why, if you like, I said to the one who raised the question, during the service, as, as Father Michel said, because we did not, we never had it in the church. In Greece, for example, they don't mention names at all. We have a trisagion, we have uh, uh, other services, so they commemorate their, uh, the names of the departed ones. So um, we do the divine liturgy, we do just we don't mention or we mention just the Orthodox people. And or prior or after the Divine Liturgy, we do a special trisagion for all the departed ones in Christ. Okay? And we mention all the whole list of the names, if you like. Okay? But we cannot, we cannot, you know, consider everyone in the community. We cannot. We have to discern, you know, between the members of the community, the members of the faith, and those who are not, not members, you know, of this faith. So we don't... Something else. Every Saturday, for example, even if we have a divine liturgy or not, every Saturday, you know, is... Uh, uh, dedicated for, for the uh, departed ones, so we can mention uh, the names in, in, uh, on Saturdays in the daily pr prayer or matins or anything else. Yes, Father. I just as a natural standpoint, uh, knowing that we, my uh, family, we do not have a long historical background of Orthodox, and then what we've done uh, to satisfy for my personal prayer life and for the life of the church is that 
we have a book that uh, when, when someone brings a prayer request, we put it in a book, uh, Living, Departed, and for the Health of. And, uh, and we put that person's name, whether they're Orthodox, non-Orthodox. We, uh, we pray for this during the, you know, the hours or vespers, but not, they're not commemorated during the Divine Liturgy. And I did this out of my need for my conscience to pray on behalf of my family. And, I mean, our church family, our community. And, uh, and I mean, does this seem like a, a, a normal solution? Because it's a way of interceding specifically. It's not on the diptych, but it is a, it's just an intercessory prayer book for the, the parish. If we did not, you know, start this bad habit, you know, to commemorate, you know, all names, so we would not, you know, have this uh, problem right now. So now, if we discriminate, let's say, between, you know, the members in the family and those who are in the uh, service, but they are not members yet, so would get hurt. Okay, so that's why we have to find a, 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 a special prayer, you know, a trisagion would be the best solution for, for, for them. Okay, and uh, we, we explain if, uh, in case, we receive any any question about that or any comments, so we we discuss, we we explain it, you know, in a very positive way. Okay, we don't undermine anyone. We don't, you know, say that you are not or second class or something like that. So we have to under, uh, to to explain, and uh, not only this. When we, for example. Yeah, when we the priest uh, goes and uh, do uh, uh, home blessings, so they ask him, they give him a list of names, and uh, he has to just a prayer, so we can pray for all the because I told you we cannot you know divide the same family into into pieces, okay. So this prayer would be fine if we uh, pray for all people present or belong to that family. Okay? Anything to be said, uh, Father Hughes, in this here, in this regard? Father Joseph Antipas? He is not here. He's in the hall. Okay. Blessing of the holy water and the drinking of it, and of course, holy unction is a sacrament. Is the drinking of holy water something that anyone can do at the service? You mean can drink the water? Yes. Okay. Yes. Anything to be to be said here in this question about commemorating the names of non-Orthodox in the yeah. <clears throat> Well, just uh, I, I had another uh, remark on this issue that uh, many times we, we, we think that uh, when we commemorate names, we are doing that just to please uh, the, the people that are there, you know, to hear the names of their loved ones. And we do that uh, at the end of the Divine Liturgy. And this is a wrong uh, 
like uh, concept because even though there is a memorial uh, service at Risagion that is uh, there, you know, to be used for such memorial, uh, nevertheless, we should be uh, aware that uh, such remembrance and commemoration is done within the liturgy. So that's one of the uh, customs that we we find that uh, people, when they plan a nine-day or a 40-day memorial, they do it as, as a group to come at the end of the Divan Liturgy to participate in that uh, memorial. We, it is um, our obligation to remind uh, members of the church that uh, such commemoration takes place within the liturgy and exactly immediately after uh, the consecration, after the anaphora, the priest remembers the, the, the names of uh, the loved ones and uh, those that uh, we, we pray for them. So the, as far as uh, these names are concerned, I think uh, we should see the, the list that is being uh, prepared by the priest during the proscomedia service when uh, he remembers uh, all the living and all the dead and all the uh, orders, uh, the, the, the saintly orders, and uh, brings the whole uh, totality of the church centered around the Lamb, around the Christ, this is uh, what constitutes the, the membership of the church. But that does not leave our obligation to remember those that uh, live in our community and those that uh, ask for our prayers, and we have to be uh, responsible uh, for, 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 for them. So we pray for them. And uh, if, as Father Michel said, if it is uh, something, an addition to uh, what it was uh, in the Divine Liturgy, then uh, we just uh, go ahead and uh, remember uh, old names, and uh, we do it uh, with, with the love uh, as extended to, to those that are uh, created in God's image and likeness. But we should not make uh, a point of uh, punishing somebody just because uh, they do not uh, have our uh, share our faith to tell them that, no, we cannot uh, you know, mention you uh, in our prayers. We, we, we should pray for one another, and we should... Uh, make the uh, it's our mission you know to uh, to bring Christ into their lives and to bring them into our fold and hopefully through our uh, prayers you know they can begin you know to to, to see uh, the love of the church and uh, become potential members so the the difference is between the diptica that the, the the names of the people that constitute the membership of the local church and those that uh, offer their names, they could be, we have to be aware of a pastoral situation of mixed marriages, that we have to incorporate uh, them and to express our love to the non-Orthodox uh, partners because our Orthodox uh, partners live with them and they share with them everything and we have to show that same respect and love to them in our prayers. Thank you. Yes. That's why we heard uh, Sayyidina Philip on several occasions, and we did it in our churches when uh, a catastrophe happened somewhere in this world, that we mentioned the victims of that incident. They might not be Orthodox, they might be Jews or Muslims or uh, Buddhists. We mentioned them. Uh, we pray, our mission is to pray for others. Yeah, uh, you remember uh, a few weeks ago, uh, a question came to me and they called me from everywhere. I was maybe in San Diego at that time and they called me and they asked about whether we, we can. I said, yes, we can pray for anyone in mind, 
in heart. Okay, so let us do this. So this we can we can uh, include everyone, everyone, Jewish, Muslim, and anything. But in the community, <coughs> we have to pray for the community. Um, <coughs> so, uh, just diptika, when we say diptika, so we mean the family, the local family and the big family. Okay, the church family, the Ashraeus' family, the whole patriarchate family, this is, you know, diptika. We have people belong to this, to these institutions, if you like, okay? But we cannot, you know, uh, bring everyone, you know, and praise him or uh, mention his name or her name in the church, okay? But prayer, just prayer in mind and heart, yes, fine. I think I, I am done. I'm done, and I call uh, Steve. Where is Steve? Steve, you have five minutes. Come here, please. Can you express yourself in five minutes? Yes. Wonderful. Um, so I had to call this a testimony, and uh, I, I suppose it is, but it, if, if it is, it's, there, there's not a happy ending yet. Um, and incidentally, I'm fairly certain that there's a hemorrhage coming on. I'm so nervous, okay, so bear with me. <laughs> uh, I have heard uh, Sadness speak of uh, the, the Jesus prayer and prayer of the heart in the last two days. Um, and so I uh, got up the gumption to ask him uh, a, a question and tell him a, sh a, a story. And I will go ahead and share the story with you and it will be very quick. Some time ago, uh, I had several questions uh, regarding the use of the Jesus prayer. And I wrote <clears throat> uh, His Grace Basil, uh, because I had had a, a relationship with him and I knew him, he knew me by name. Uh, and he wrote me back and uh, said that he wasn't going to answer my question. And the reason he wasn't going to answer my question is because the questions I had were so serious that I needed to have a spiritual father uh, to answer them. Uh, he didn't say a confessor and he made the distinction between a confessor and, and a spiritual guide. Uh, so I got on the phone and I called uh, a good, solid handful of you, and, and, you were, and you know who you are, and, and you were very helpful. Uh, but the, uh, the, the punchline was basically that um, nobody wanted to be a spiritual guide. <laughs> and, I mean, confessor was fine, but um, <clears throat> spiritual guidance was, was something else. Um, so I wrote Syed in the back and uh, expressed this, and he wrote me back and said, yes, it's, it's very difficult to find a spiritual guide. Uh, keep looking. And that's it. That's all I got. This is why you keep looking. So I went to his grace today, and I expressed this 
uh, story. Um, again, the, the problem being, I mean, uh, the inherent dangers uh, that, that I read in, in the Fathers uh, about the uh, Jesus prayer. And they're, and they're there. And, and I suppose that's uh, a lot of the reason why uh, uh, my fathers are, are reticent to uh, be guides. Understand, please, that I, I'm not being critical. suspicion of uh, quite a few of you that you're much more uh, holy than you like to let on. But um, you have to understand that uh, I used to be a Calvinist. <clears throat> where, uh, where salvation uh, was literally uh, getting uh, it in your head that God had done something in a juridical sort of way. And if you got it in your head, that was salvation. Period. So uh, one day uh, I become Orthodox and some years later I'm reading uh, minding my own business, and, and I find out that uh, uh, salvation in orthodoxy means purification of heart, illumination, and theosis. That's what salvation means. And the way to get to that is by uh, uh, purifying your heart of thoughts and passions through the Jesus prayer with a spiritual guide. So I went to Sayedna and said all this, and... Uh, he told me that uh, he wanted me to say everything I've just said, and I've said it. <laughs> Thank you. Again, before I uh, ask uh, Thomas, uh, Subdeacon Thomas uh, Nassif, to come here. Steve is going to keep looking for a spiritual father. When you have, Steve, when you have or you find a spiritual father, come and you talk to us from this podium, okay? This is not arrogance. This is not arrogance, and I am I'm not trying to undermine any, any, any talent you have. I know, and you know that we are, we are doing our struggle, but, but after all we have heard in this, in this seminar, I think we have, we have to decide not to use big expressions anymore. Uh, in the youth, and the youth retreat last year took place in the camp of uh, St. Nicholas. Hundreds of our youth from, from <coughs> all parishes, many parishes. And Father Hapko was the speaker. And I sneaked. And so Father Hapko was a little bit, you know, embarrassed that he is addressing the youth, you know, in the presence of the bishop. I said, please forget about me. At the end, when questions, a big amount of questions came to Father Hopko, and because he cannot, you know, answer all these questions, because he is not the pastor of any of the parishes here, so he, 
he was wise, you know, not to answer, you know, this question. So he referred all the questions to me. <laughs> and one of them, ignore the big, you know, that amount of, of uh, uh, questions, but one, just to tell you, you know, some <coughs> message. A guy stood up and said, we need here in this country to have a monastery. Good, good question, good saying. And he asked, do we have any... He, he was talking, you know, with power, with power, with authority. Do we have any, 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 any monastery? <coughs> I said, yes. He said, where? I said, how, how, where, how many? I said, we have not only one, but we have thousand, big number of monasteries. He said, where? I said, in every home, in every parish. He said, imagine, he said, my Yeronda told me to do this and to do that. I said, who's your, who's your Yeronda? To my knowledge, your Yeronda is the priest in the parish. Is your father. You call him father. You receive from him the sacraments. Do you have any other spiritual father or any other Yerunda? No answer. No answer. And I started. I said, thank you. You sit down and it's my job now. Uh, I did not lose control. But I said, we are using big, you know, expressions. Yeronda, prayer, uh, prayer robe, Jesus prayer, illumination, theosis, and, 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 and. Too much ado for nothing, about nothing, about nothing. I don't see, you know, any, 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 any sense of obedience, any sense of humility. Just critical, weak, we criticize one another. And we undermine, you know, one another. We undermine one another. The one who has cassock is fine. The one who has no cassock is no fine. The one who has this, fine. The one who has... But they forgot, you know, that the grace inside of me is more important than anything else. So we are ready to obey the Yeronda at the monastery, which is very good and godly. But we are not ready to, to obey the priest in the parish. We are ready to fast at the monastery, which is good. But we are not fasting, practicing, or observing fast at, at home. You know, the building itself, I told him, the building itself is no, not important by itself. The building of the monastery is nothing. But the practice, okay? The practice, the eagerness, if you like, the willingness is everything.
So let us, let us work for that, okay? It's not, you know, I told you many times, orthodoxy or spirituality or whatever is not just to read a few pages and done. It's not like this. It's not like this. Whatever you read, you bo a book you read, the scriptures or the holy fathers or the desert fathers or anything else, cannot, you know, help me to, to uh, just I finish reading them and everything is fine now. No, it's not fine. It's not fine. You know, to move from one step to another, like, like catharsis, for example, okay? We go into something else. So it is a big, a long, long, long way. A long way. So please don't, you know, like Father Joseph yesterday, that it's not a, a, an espresso, you know, or a coffee, you know, what, what we call it, I don't know. Instance. <coughs> Subdeacon, come here, please. Five minutes? Less than five minutes. <laughs> well, I want to thank Sayedna for giving me an opportunity to just be here today and to meet all of you and to have some fellowship as well as the education. And also to thank him for giving me time to think of an answer to this question, <laughs> which as I recall was how do you balance work in the secular world with work in the church? And uh, the short answer I suppose is that it just isn't an easy thing to do, as most of you who have done that know. Uh, it helps, of course, if you own your own business. Uh, I'm a recovering lawyer who had a relapse and became a real estate developer. Uh, but you've got to understand that one thing you have to forget about, and that is the, that the pursuit of money cannot be a primary objective in your life. It not only takes too much time, it takes too much soul. Uh, second, you have, to, you have to have someone who's supportive of your effort, uh, especially if you're a married person. I've been married for 30 years. My wife not only supports my work with the church, she encourages my work with the church. And she sets a fine example, an example I have a difficult time uh, matching, and in fact, don't. Uh, but I think the overriding principle and the overriding factor is you just have to believe that it's God's will for you in your life. I mean, all of us pray that the Lord will let us know what his will is for us in our lives and make that fairly clear. And I think he answers the question, but we don't always hear the answer, or maybe we don't always like the answer. But I was fortunate that the Lord made it clear to me that this is what I was to do, uh, because I feel so comfortable with it. And he sent me two wonderful messengers who encouraged me. Uh, His Grace, Bishop Joseph, who first mentioned becoming a deacon to me, and of course, Father John Braun, with whom I serve uh, every Sunday. So for me, those are the overriding factors, and that's the way I try and balance the things I do outside with the things I'm trying to do for our Holy Church. Thank you, Satan. Thank you. Thank you. When uh, uh, the Archdiocese, you know, I, uh, I haven't known at that time, I did not know uh, 
Tam, Thomas Nasif, the first year I came here. So I received a, a, a letter from the Archdiocese to ordain him, to tonsure him a subdeacon. So I was hesitant, really, because I said, you know, he is a politician and uh, ambassador and uh, you know we don't need uh, princes or politicians in the in the church <laughs> but believe me i can after you know after after doing this ministry you know with fear of god and with love and with humility in this region i discovered thomas nasif one of the faithful <coughs> servitors of, to Christ or of Christ. He is doing, you know, a wonderful job in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in his parish. He and his wife, they take care, they clean, they, uh, they are ready to serve, to, to show the sense of diaconia to everyone. I think, you know, we need people like him. We need people like him. So we pray for you, uh, subdeacon, to become a good deacon and a good servant or servitor in the church. Okay. So now, maybe Father Edward. Say the word tradition. With your permission, Sayyidina, we will break and return here at 2.30.